Life is full of yes or no questions. We ask them all the time, we have to answer them all the time, and usually when there's a choice between yes and no, you know, we wanna hear the yes, don't we? No is not always my favorite word. Negative responses I don't like so much. It can be kind of uh, deflating, it can be kind of crushing sometimes to hear the word no. But some people, maybe you guys have noticed this, some people in life, they're just really good at saying the word no. You know who's really good at saying the word no? Tiny children. <laughs> Anything that follows is purely coincidental, not necessarily um, accurate stories of things happening within the Smith household. Um, but sometimes, you know, parents might say, uh, go clean up your room. And what do the tiny children say? Here's my microphone for you guys. What do they say? No. no. Oh, I'm glad yours do the same thing. Um, some of you might say, it's bedtime, go get your jammies on. And what do, this, what do the kids say? No. It's, guys, we're almost done with dinner, can you just take another bite? No. no. That's what happens sometimes. Some people are really good at saying the word no. Now parents also uh, learn to be good at saying the word no as well. Not in a vengeful sort of way, not always anyway, uh, but sometimes you know the, uh, the kids might, those same kids might say, can we have a snack? And then the parents might say, you should have eaten your dinner. No, right? Yeah. Now, a few years ago, um, actually it's more than a few years ago, um, I was also a teenager, which was a, a very um, good group of people at saying variations of the word no. And so what follows um, may or may not be a, an accurate representation of a conversation between my parents and myself, you know, 20 years ago or so. Um, you know. Sometimes parents might say, you know, you've been acting kind of strangely today. Is something wrong? Teenager says, no. Who are you texting? Nobody. <laughs> well, what are you doing then? Nothing. <laughs> yes, you have to appreciate very efficient, uh, efficient answers. But no, that word no, we don't really like to hear it. No is not usually music to our ears. But today, as we look at what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, I promise you that you're going to change your feelings about the wor words like no and nobody and nothing. You're going to be walking out of church in a very negative mood because you're going to be saying, you're gonna, that's, that's going to be your chorus. No, nobody, nothing. Because Paul is um, he is going to be positively negative here today, and we're going to love it, I promise you, okay? Uh, a lot of times we, we see positive Paul. He's talking about how much God loves you. He's giving you the gospel, but today he's being a real negative Nathaniel, but we're still going to love it. We're going to love it because he's going to ask all of these questions that are going to invite a negative response, and we are going to gleefully yell out no and nobody and nothing because that's the answer that we want to hear. Because the answer to these questions, like our salvation is going to depend on having a negative answer to some of the questions that Paul is going to pose to us. So we're going to explore the power of positive negativity from the Apostle Paul here in Romans chapter 8. So we're going to go to our first question here. Um, what, what, he, what Paul wants us to focus on is this. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
And the answer that he wants us to say is nobody, okay? So I'm gonna try to get some audience participation today. So let's try this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah, that's my microphone. Um, Yeah, great. Nobody can be against us if God is for us. It doesn't really matter who or what is lining up on the other side because God is stronger, God is bigger. If he is on our side, it doesn't really matter who we're going up against. Now, if it was just us facing off with them, we'd be real scared, and we should be. But when it's God on our side, things are good. God is for us. uh, The late Martin Franzman, none of you have ever heard of him, and and that's fine. Um, He was a renowned New Testament scholar, former professor at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, um, way before I ever attended there, but I got to read some of his books. And he wrote a commentary on the book of Romans, and on this particular verse about God being for us and who can be against us, Martin Franzman wrote this. He said, God for us is a three-word summary of redemptive history. What does he mean by that? It's a three-word summary of redemptive history. So what he's saying is you can look through the entire, all of history, looking through all the scriptures, even all the way up until the present day, and you can say, God for us. Just kind of sums it all up. God being for, God being on the side of his people. His people Israel all the way back when, his people, you know, you and me today. God is for us. He does whatever it takes to rescue and redeem us. So who could possibly be against us? Nobody. Nobody. You guys are on it. Nobody is the right answer. Next question, please, Paul. What do you got for us? So then, then Paul goes in and starts talking about, you know, it is God who justifies us. That means to declare us righteous by the work of Jesus. Um, so he says, it's God who justifies. Who will bring any charge against us or condemn us? What do you think the answer is? Nobody. There we go. Nobody. Nobody's going to bring any charge against us that's going to stand up in God's courtroom. God's going to hear it, and he's going to say, this case has been closed a long time ago. What are you talking about? We've taken care of any of those charges. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been declared not guilty, even though we've, we've done the things, but we've been declared not guilty by our God. So Satan tries to go and tattle on us to God, Oh, did you know, I, God, did you know what he did yesterday? Did you know what she did years ago? Tries to, to bring those charges, and God won't hear it. And Satan just totally gives up, right? He doesn't, no, he does not give up. It doesn't work with God, so who does he go to to try to bring those charges? Who does he go to? It's not nobody this time, it, it's us. He comes to us, and he whispers to us all the things that we've done wrong. Tries to remind us, tries to dredge up those old things that we've tried to forget, that we've tried to hide away. And he doesn't even have to make things up either. That's the thing. He is a liar. He does twist things, but he doesn't have to make up what you and I have done wrong. There's plenty of material for him to work with. And so, well, I'm just, I'm curious to know, uh, do you guys, does anybody have, whether it's like 
a room or a closet or a drawer in your house that you would just be mortified if some of the guests in your home opened that up? Anybody? Anybody have? Make me feel better, guys. Come on. If, if, if you don't, then just, just don't talk to me, I guess. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got something like that. We're just like almost... It contains sometimes like our shame, <laughs> you know, just, I hope no one ever sees that. So, so I'm imagining for us sometimes, we've got those skeletons, we've got those things that we're ashamed of that we feel guilty about. And I just want you to imagine that you, you have taken those out of your home, you, you've put them in a storage unit way far away, okay? You kind of know that they're, that, they're, that they're there though. And Satan drives over to your house and he, he picks you up and he said, hey, we're gonna go take a look at all that stuff that you've got hidden away. And he's just so excited about it. And we go along for the ride sometimes because we're weak and we feel guilty and we wonder, oh, are those things really gone? Has God really judged them? Has he really declared us not guilty? And we, we worry. And so, so Satan takes us out and he's about ready to throw open the door and he's so excited. But what he doesn't know is or what, that, or what he's forgotten, I guess, is that Jesus has already been there. Did you guys ever see the show Storage Wars? Anyone ever watch that show? It's like a guilty pleasure show from like 10 or 12 years ago. If you guys are unfamiliar with that show, um, there, there are all these storage units, and you know people would like, they wouldn't pay their bills on them or they would just abandon them, and so the owner of the storage facility, they would start auctioning off the contents of the storage units. You guys you can probably find it some on some app if, you, if you're interested. Um, and so people like 8 a.m. on Saturday, be all these people there and they'd be bidding like crazy, just hoping that there'd be something good in there. Now, in our storage unit, full of our sins, right, there's no treasure in there. It's a bunch of junk. It's a bunch of shame and guilt. And Jesus shows up and Jesus, Jesus says, you know, um, he's like, I, I'm gonna buy it all. Whatever it costs, I'm gonna outbid everybody so I can take it all, it's all mine now. So Satan throws that door open and it's empty and he's, oh, and then we're rejoicing because we're like, oh, the promise of God that all those things have been taken away, it's true. Jesus has truly taken away all of our sin and our guilt and our shame and then Jesus rebukes Satan. Jesus is, as Paul says here in Romans 8, Jesus is interceding for us at the right hand of God. He again and again is saying, those are mine, that's mine. That doesn't belong to them anymore. I've taken that, I've died for that, I've redeemed them. And so he says, be quiet, Satan. Stop it, stop harassing my people. Those sins are dead and gone. Don't do it again. Don't bring it up again. So who's gonna bring any charge or condemn us? Nobody. Nobody. Not even Satan himself, the worst of all the accusers. Satan will try, but he will not separate us from the love of Christ. Which leads us to, to Paul's next question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What do you guys think? Nobody, Nobody can. You guys are sensing a theme. You guys are getting good at this. Yeah. Nobody can separate us from Christ's love. <laughs> and then, then Paul goes on with a whole list of things. Because he knows what we're thinking. Because we're like, well, what about this? And what about that? What about all the things that are going on? So not even all these things? No, he says. No, nothing. Try to think of something. You can't. 
You can't think of anything because there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Now, it is difficult when we are in the midst of all these things, when we are in them, when we are in the feelings of guilt, when we are in the trials and tribulations and maybe the persecutions for the name of Jesus, when we are in the very worst that this world can throw at us. It can be difficult. But what Paul is telling us is he's taking that little word in and he's turning it into a big word of promise and a big word of comfort that Christ is in those things. And in those things, he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You guys, are, there's so many great verses in this, in this passage, aren't there? Like you guys all probably have like three of them hanging in your house somewhere. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. These things are scary and awful, but not even those things can take that victory away that Christ has given to us by faith in him. There is nothing so big that can rise up to cut us off from the love of Christ. Nothing at all. Now, we, we like Paul's style of these negative answers, shouting out the negative answers. But sometimes, you know, as much as we love Paul's no, we also need the comfort of God's yes. We like to hear the word yes. And God has made so many comforting promises for us. He has, just all throughout the scriptures, every page you're seeing comforting promises and, and we see this from the promise given in the Garden of Eden that a Savior would come all the way through, and then that Savior does come and lives and teaches and suffers and dies and rises again. And now Paul is saying to us, hey, you know all of those promises? They are all fulfilled in Jesus. It's in a different letter, but Paul writes these things. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. All the promises. How could one guy fulfill them all? But he does. Jesus is the embodiment of God's comforting, certain yes for you and for me. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us. Just like nothing could stand in the way of Jesus going to that cross to make us forgiven, beloved children forever and ever. Nothing could stand in his way. Nothing can get between us and God now forever and ever. What a, what a beautiful promise of comfort for us. We ask, um, we still ask all kinds of yes or no questions because we're weak and because we're in all these things that are difficult. And so we, we sometimes cautiously ask the yes or no questions and we fear what the answer is. We say, you know, can I really be forgiven? And when Satan's harassing us, can I really be forgiven? Can God really love me knowing all the things that I've done? Can I make it through this present suffering that I'm going through? You know, Paul describes us as uh, being sheep for the slaughter. Can I really make it through a life like that? and we hear God's gracious answers of yes in response to these questions. He says again and again to us, yes, you are forgiven. Yes, I love you with an everlasting love. Yes, I am working out all things for your good. 
Yes, you are my treasured possession. Yes, you are more than conquerors. We hear the yes. He gives us the positive answers that we need. And even Paul, we see a cameo from positive Paul right at the end of this passage. He says, I am sure. Now he still has a negative word in there. But he says, I am sure that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of a sudden, Paul is positive. He is sure and he is certain. Because we, we worry sometimes about, what about the past? What about the present? Oh, what about the future? And God says, oh, don't worry. I, I'm the same yesterday and today and forever. Paul says, I am sure. And you guys can be sure too. Now sometimes your, your eyes are gonna, they're gonna get fixed on all the scary things. Things Paul lists off. That's okay, you have to look at those things sometimes, but don't let your gaze linger on them too much. Look instead at Jesus in the midst of all these things. Know that you are more than conquerors and know that his love, that nothing can separate you, nothing at all, and be sure in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for these wonderful words from your servant Paul. We thank you for the, the gracious negative answers to these questions, but we thank you for, for your yes, your gracious yes, how all of your promises are answered in Jesus. Keep us strong in our faith and help us to know and believe for certain that nothing can separate us from your love. In Jesus' name.